Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. I'm Jenny. And I'm Miriam. And a special welcome to you. If this is your first time, make sure you say hi in the chat so we can say hi back. Um, and if you're returning, welcome back. Uh, we have a lot happening here during Christmas. Uh, we have things happening today. We have things happening next week and the next week. So you can get all of that information by texting CHEER, C-H-E-E-R, to 97000. Through that link, then you can give. You can be a part of um, trivia where you can win prizes. Uh, we'll give you announcements on what's coming up. So again, that's CHEER, C-H-E-E-R, at 97000. And one of the main things we have coming up is our Christmas Eve Eve service. Okay, so that's going to be de December 23rd mm -hmm. at 7 p.m. at the 1808. Mm -hmm. uh, we invite you all, the community, if you are local, you know, we especially want you there. If you're maybe in town for Christmas season, come on by, you know, and say hi. <laughs> um, but we have a, it's going to be a family service, mm -hmm. you know, so all the kids would be with us. And so it's going to be a good time every year. It's a good time. Yeah, we have, we have activity packs for the kids. So they're going to be there and engaged. We're going to sing classic uh, carols. We're going to have a candle lighting while we sing Silent Night. And then we also have hot cider and hot chocolate yes. and it's going to be <laughs> delicious. So come again, that's Christmas Eve Eve. Eve. December 23rd at seven o'clock in downtown Kennesaw. Um, and with that, we always like to say, we're serious about fun, but we're also serious about faith. And one thing about being faith, faithful is being a faithful giver. So today, pray about it. Ask God what it is that you need to give back to Him. He gives to us, so we're gonna give back to Him. And you can give by going to our website, or you can text CHEER to 97000. Um, and with that, we're gonna continue this time of worship through our Advent. So Advent means the arrival of Jesus. Jesus yes. So all this month, we're going through the Advent um, calendar so that we can remember and celebrate the arrival of Jesus. So I'm gonna start by reading the scripture. Today, we're gonna to talk about joy. We already talked about peace, we talked about hope, and then now we're gonna talk about joy. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 8 through 9. We relight the candle of hope, recalling God's promise to send a savior. The candle of peace, remember the voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And now we light the candle of joy. May our hearts be forever filled with the joy of his coming. Now we pray. Father, we are filled with joy because we have hope and peace that you have sent your son for all that believe. Help us to be the voices that proclaim grace and truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be with you uh, online today. Um, always a pleasure. We're in a series uh, here at High Point called At The Movies. And so rather than just taking my word for it, I wanted you to get a little bit of a, 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 a dose of what the top 10 Christmas movies are according to imdb.com. Okay, if you don't know what IMDb is, it's like a big movie database, blah, blah, blah. So they did this big Christmas poll. So with no further ado, 
uh, as we get into the sermon today, we're gonna have a little fun. The top 10 Christmas movies are as follows. Number 10, coming in hot, is Gremlins, which I mentioned last week. You can listen to the sermon last week because I tied it in. Number nine is Elf with Will Ferrell, a great, great Christmas flick. Also mentioned that uh, in our series thus far. Number eight is Miracle on 34th Street, a one of my personal favorites. Love that movie. Number seven, A Christmas Story. And then number six, this was a surprise. I thought it'd be higher on the list. Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, coming in at number six. Number five was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a little claymation, never hurt anybody, I guess. It's not my, it's not my cup of tea, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Number four, personal favorite, Home Alone. Number three, A Christmas Carol. And then number two. Number two is hotly contested. And that is the one and only Die Hard. That's right, Die Hard is the number two Christmas movie leaving the number one spot held all on its own to be It's a Wonderful Life. You have number 10, Gremlins. You have number one, It's a Wonderful Life. Gremlins was inspired by It's a Wonderful Life, if you didn't know. Now, disclaimer, as we get into the text today, and we're going to tie in It's a Wonderful Life a little bit to the message, but I want to make this disclaimer. I don't know how many people voted on this poll. Uh, I don't know who it was sent to. <laughs> I have no idea, right? Here's what we do recognize. Um, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the series, but one of the things with Christmas movies in general that's not really great is that there's not a whole lot of representation in Christmas movies. And by representation, I mean uh, ethnic diversity. Uh, there just isn't a whole lot of representation. I don't like that. I'm sorry that that is in fact the case. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot that I'm able to, to really do about it. And we're in a series called At The Movies. And so some of these movies may resonate with you. Some of them may not, but here's what we're doing. We're gonna let the Bible do the walking and talking. And where we have a considered a cultural, uh, you know, cultural classic movie, we're going to try to tie in some of those themes, right, to the scriptures. But at the end of the day, what's really doing the driving in this series isn't the movie itself, it's the Bible, it's the Word. And uh, anyhow, as it pertains to representation, if you've got other movies and other films, you're like, Andy, Pastor Andy, you've got to see this. Man, I would love to hear all about it. Anyhow, with that, uh, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7. And as we do, um, let me just even set the stage for you with It's a Wonderful Life. Um, you've got a character named George Bailey. And George Bailey does not, uh, his life isn't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His life isn't turning out the way he thought. Things aren't going the way that he had planned. And consequently, uh, you have George wishing that he had never been born. Imagine life being just, you're in a season or you're in a moment that's just so hard or so difficult or so oppressive. You just wish you could just pull the ripcord and you, you, you never even be born. You didn't have to deal with it, right? 
My life is so insignificant and it matters so little. I might as well have never been born. And so God begins a rescue mission and he sends his angel uh, to really help George see the significance of his life. And he allows him to see the significance of, of his life by seeing what the world, the community his what what where he lives and all the people that he knew and re- related to he allows them him to see what life would look like if he had never been born if his life truly didn't matter and so you see george he's missing the impact and the significance of his life because he's unable to see the big picture He's unable to see that more often than not, good things take time. He's unable to see that more often than not, the little things over the course of a lifetime, it's those things more often than not that make the most difference. Those are your two big ideas for today. We're going to drive this in and through the text. That's, it's a wonderful life. But we see that theme carried throughout all of Scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 7. So here we have the prophet Isaiah. He's prophesying about Jesus. And he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He's prophesying to the nation and people of Israel. God's going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we see this prophetic utterance about about the Messiah that's to come by virtue of a virgin. And you'll call him Emmanuel. and, And we see that prophecy fulfilled in Luke chapter chapter 1, verse 35, the angel is speaking to Mary and says to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. His name is Jesus, also called Emmanuel. And so you have the prophet Isaiah prophesying we see then that prophetic word fulfilled in Luke chapter 1 but oftentimes what we fail to remember is that there were 700 years that took place between what Isaiah said was coming and when it actually happened 700 years good things oftentimes They take time with God, good things, the best things he takes his time with. Now, is that our generalization? Yes, it is. There are some things that God just snaps his finger right in your life or you see things take place and, you know, bam, it happened and you didn't see it coming. And it was awesome. It was a blessing. But more often than not. The things that God is working, his purposes, his plans, his maturity, his blessing even in your life. More often than not, he takes his time to produce it, to shape you, to bless you, to bring you to the place that he desires to use you in your life. I hope that makes sense today, that good things take time. And that means you can take a deep breath today. 
You can take a deep breath today because God is at work even if you don't see what he's doing, even if you don't fully understand it. Similar to George Bailey, similar to all of Israel as they waited for the Messiah. They didn't know what God was doing. They didn't know when, they didn't know where, they didn't know how. There was frustration at times. There was angst at times that even grew into apathy at times. Waiting and waiting and waiting, unsure of how God was going to do it. We, when it comes to time, and, and, I, and I'm no different, we, have a, we kind of have a unique perception of time or a strange relationship with time. Look at all the things that we say about time. Um, wherever you're watching from, I mean, you're not going to probably say this out loud to yourself. Our in-person audience probably will, but, but better late than never, right? We, we know that saying, that idiom. We're living on borrowed time. If you are familiar with that, that you're having the time of your life, right? Time is money, right? We, we know this. Time, what? When you're having fun, it flies. We have so many things that we talk about as it pertains to time, right? We have a difficult relationship with it. When you're under 18, all you want is to just be a little bit older, a little bit bigger, a little bit taller. Like, will time just get me to 21 or to 25? Or, or if you're 10, can I just get to 16? And if I'm 16, can I just get to 18? And generally speaking, once you get to your 20s and then you start getting beyond that, you spend the rest of your life wishing the clock would turn back the other way, right? I joke, I kid, there's a little bit of truth to that. But our relationship with with time, we don't gauge things very well. God takes his time and his good things take time. But his idea of time and your idea of time and mine are oftentimes very different. Take a look at, at Noah. It took 120 years to prepare Noah for the flood. 120 years. Now, people lived you know, longer then, back, back, back in the day in the Bible, but 120 years still, no less. God's working on Noah, and Noah's building an ark. You've got 80 years that God uses to prepare Moses for the work that he's doing. 80 years. And David is a teenager. David who becomes king. The Messianic line, right? That, 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 that Jesus is in fact related to. David is anointed king as a teenager. He faces Goliath. He's banished by Saul. He hides in the desert. He lives on the run. He's forced out of the nation. He fights battle after battle. And it's 15 years between him being anointed king and actually becoming king. 15 years. Sometimes when we, you know, you read about Moses, or you read about Noah, and you're like, wow, that's a long time, and, but I don't have any way to relate to that. That's the you know, old, old, old Testament. But we get kind of David's story. 15 years. You can wrap your head around that. That's a long time. You have Joseph sold as a slave. 
being sent down to Egypt, serving in Potiphar's house, right? He's literally in a prison. And for how long? Right uh, between 13 and 14 years that God is working on, on Joseph and preparing him. Psalm 109 tells us that, like that, that this wasn't just random chance. God is working in those years in the life of Joseph. You have the apostle Paul who gets radically born again in the New Testament. And he writes two thirds of the New Testament scriptures that we use for preaching and teaching. And we oftentimes forget that after he becomes a Christian, he more or less is sent to an island by himself in Arabia for about 13 years before his ministry began. It's a long time. And so what you need to know is you take a deep breath as you're hearing this sermon today with all the things that you desire God to do in your life, all the things that you believe God has maybe told you, or maybe he's hardwired you for, or maybe as you're praying, you felt God literally give you a promise. Like I've, I've got this for you. I've made you for this. And even though that is true, what you must know deep down in your heart is that God is not in a hurry. God is not in a rush. And more often than not, good things take time. God isn't in a rush and God isn't in a hurry. Don't worry if you don't see all the things that you feel like you should be seeing. There's no rush and there's no hurry. With God, time is always on your side. Matthew chapter 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, I was going to read all these genealogies, but I figured as you're watching online, you would, you would get lost in this moment, right? It's like, it's, it's 17 verses of people that, you know, the line of, of Jesus, right? The genealogy of Jesus. And you get to verse 17, kind of all of his relatives, his family tree. All the generations from Abraham to David, were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 more generations. How many generations is that, ladies and gentlemen? 42 generations. 42. We're not even back to Adam and Eve at this point. We're just at Abraham. And you got 42 generations and God gave Abraham a promise. He gave Adam and Eve a promise, even as they were being, uh, as they were exiled from the garden. That the Messiah would one day come and look at how God's plan and his timing worked out, his perfect timing. At just the right time, the Bible says, God sent his son, Jesus. And God is working his plan, his promise over the course and just from Abraham to Jesus through 42 generations. 
And all of those decisions that people are making and the desire to follow God and the, 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 the decision to pray and the decision to be faithful and to raise their kids a certain way and to do right and to turn from evil, all of those things you might look at and be mistaken in thinking this had no impact, this doesn't do anything, this doesn't amount to much, and we would be wrong. Because we see the small picture and God is looking at the big picture. Oh, he's not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. With God, good things take time. And he's producing something incredibly good through your life. Don't forget that. And because that's true, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Jesus, he had the perfect relationship with the Father, in case you forgot. Let me just slide that in, right? Jesus did not sin. He had a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father. And God still decided to take 30 years to allow Jesus to mature and become who he needed to become in this moment. And that's not to say that Jesus was somehow needing to mature because he was immature as in like he had sin in his life. Hear that. That wouldn't be the case. That would be theologically inaccurate. But understand that God still takes 30 years with Jesus. And then Jesus ministers for three years after that. But he took the first 30 to prepare him. And he had a perfect relationship with God. How much more does God need or does he plan to, to work things in my life and take his time doing it? So don't get discouraged. He's not in a rush and he's not in a hurry. He takes his time. I love this, and I realize I'm just I'm driving the same thing home over and over again. Habakkuk, right? The prophet Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 3. Habakkuk's depressed. He's a prophet, and he is discouraged. He's down. He's depressed. Pastors can feel this way. I felt this way before, right? Where you're just, you're doing what you feel like you're called to do, but you're not seeing the fruit of your labors. Like, when is it ever gonna? Right. And, and maybe you're not a pastor. Maybe you're not the, like a prophet Habakkuk, but you're maybe you're, you know, trying to get that business going or maybe you're 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 trying to be faithful with your kids. Also, just in the physical and a non-spiritual way. Also, just something as simple as like I'm trying to lose weight. Right. And you, you don't see all the fruit of every little good decision. Like you don't always see it. It's not, you, you can't always just measure it immediately on the scale. Oh, I walked past the candy jar and I didn't eat a snicker. Go get on the scale and somehow I've lost weight in that moment. No, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Oh, I wish that it did, but it's not that way. It's, it's decisions made over the course of time, over the course of a lifetime that God brings about such difference. God will use you, but oftentimes he does it in a way where he does something amazingly good through you and he does it over the course of time. When you look at 
when you look at people who've made the greatest impact in your life. Again, most of the time, it's not this big, powerful, encountering moment more often than not that's made the biggest shift in your heart. It's somebody being faithful in the little things over what? Over time. A relationship not marked by rush or hurriedness, but by faithfulness, consistency, being there for one another over and over and over and over again. And God says this to Habakkuk when Habakkuk is discouraged. He's depressed. He's not seeing the fruit of his efforts or his labors. He wants this, you know, he wants this to be done, right? And God says this, this is the, the, uh, the TLB version of the Bible. It says, these things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Good things take time. God things take time. I'm going to actually, I want to read this passage. I think it's so powerful. I want to read it one more time. God is saying this, and I think he's actually saying this to some of you watching today, that these things, the things that you know God's put in your heart, they won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Don't lose your mind. For these things will surely come to pass. In other words, trust God through it. Cling to him through it. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't be a George Bailey and think that your life isn't amounting to much or that you're a failure or that it's insignificant. No, that isn't true. Slowly, steadily, Surely, be faithful to what God has called you to do. Be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. You've probably heard the saying that with God, God's not late, right? He's right on time, right? He's not late and he's not early. And that is true. The frustrating thing about that is we don't always know what time, you know, God is showing up for that thing or in that moment. And so you have to be patient and simply be faithful. Christmas, the Christmas story, right, of Jesus being born. We're reading about the genealogies and the angel that came and prophesied or excuse me, that, that, that came and spoke to Mary. Right on the heels, 700 years on the heels of Isaiah the prophet prior to that. All of this swirling around Jesus' birth. And what we take from this is that Christmas it is a story of people who had to hold on to God's promises over the course of time. They had to remain faithful 
even through the dark times, the hard times, the scary times, even when things didn't look like they were seeing progress. And they had to be reminded that with God, good things take time. I love the story of David Ayers, who's a hockey player who plays for the Carolina Hurricanes. Right There's a game, it's a hockey game, you may or may not be a big hockey fan, but bear with me in this story, but you've got David who, who is a 42-year-old Zamboni driver at the stadium, okay? And a Zamboni, by the way, it's the big machine that comes out on the ice and makes the ice smooth and glassy and nice for everybody to skate on. Uh, you got to have someone who can drive that bad boy. That's David's job. And he, you know, he gets a call to come on down from the stands to the locker room. Right, Because in addition to him being the Zamboni driver, he is the bonus goalie. He's the backup, backup goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes. Every NHL team has a backup, backup goalie. And that is somebody that doesn't ever get to play in the game. But for technical and emergency purposes, you've got to have it. Right. And so they get the benefit of getting to go to the games and, you know, they have a jersey with their name on it, which is cool. Um, but they're sitting in the stands and have other jobs that they're doing. Well, he, you know, the goalie for the for the Hurricanes, he gets injured. And so he's taken out of the game, which means the backup goalie now has to go into the game. And the backup backup goalie, David Ayers who's been working at the stadium, dreaming about hockey his whole life. He now has to go down to the locker room and he's got to go ahead and, you know, start changing and just be ready, right? Backup, the backup backup goalie, they don't ever get playtime, right? That's not, that's not reality, but you still have to do, you know, all the things. Well, so the backup goalie's in the net. The original, the primary goalie, He's injured. The backup goalie's doing his job, right? And he skates out, right? And he's making a save. He gets clocked in the head. Out, right? He is now taken off the ice. And David is sitting in the locker room and he gets a text message. 42-year-old Zamboni driver, David Ayers, who's done nothing but give his life for hockey and has dreamt about a moment like this that we know would never come. Guess what? It's here. And he's sitting there. And he doesn't even know that it's happened. Doesn't even know that the number two goalie has been knocked out and he gets a text message that says, this is your moment. Game time. And so he, he immediately pads up, suits up, and he's terrified. And there's a video of him literally walking through the tunnel, right, out onto the ice. And he says the only thing he could think about was how he didn't want to fall skating to the net. Like, that's how scared he is. Just, just God, don't let me fall down skating to the net, right? And he gets to the net and the game starts. And he lets in, I think, the first two shots, goal. Shot number two, goal, right? And he's panicking. And all of his teammates came over to him. And they start, you know, they take the sticks and they're, they're slapping him in the pads. And they're saying, this is it. This is, this is your moment, bro. Have fun. 
Don't worry about how many pucks get past you and get in the net. Enjoy this moment. And so they get to, they get to the second period and they, they get it in, you know, it's like halftime, right? And, you know, they're, they're having their little debrief and David looks at his team. And I love this, just rises to the occasion. And he says, get me one more goal and I'll lead us to victory. Like, just come on. And they get back out on the ice and his team does not get another goal in this moment. Yet, David leads his team to victory. They already had some goals prior to all the goalies coming out prior to. And he just comes alive. Save, 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 save. And he has this kind of miracle on the ice moment. And the fans go crazy. And you see the locker room video of him walking in to the, the, the locker room after the game. He's the last one there. <clears throat> and his team goes crazy for him. Because he is literally the youngest rookie in NHL history. Nobody has, has stepped on the ice as a 42-year-old rookie in NHL history. And David just did it that night and has an amazing moment on the ice. And his team goes bananas. And the coach comes in and it's an emotional, the coach can hardly get through the post-game speech. It's emotional. It's amazing. And here we have this story, and it's not a spiritual story. It's not like I have this thing where I can say David had been praying and he'd been seeking God, that God would bring him out onto the ice. No, I don't have anything like that. And in fact, if those details emerge, it makes the story even more powerful, right? But there's still something to be gleaned in this moment. Many times, whether it's movies, whether it's film, books, you can glean spiritual truths that resonate in the scriptures that we see that make sense to us. And how do we make sense of this moment? It's that good things take time. Here, here's this guy who's been working for so long as a Zamboni driver at 42 years of age, becomes the youngest rookie in NHL history to hit the ice, has an amazing moment. And I can tell you, there were many days, many weeks, many seasons where this guy probably is lacing up his skates thinking, what am I doing? Where he's putting on his pads thinking, like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? We can understand this. And, and then he finally has his moment. And by the way, his jersey sold out in minutes after the game. Amazing little detail on the back end of it. But we understand that these little things where we're like, God, do you, is this, is this making any difference? Is there, you know, what, what's happening here? Is this contributing? Is it mattering? Is it significant? Is it that? Is it this? And the little things 
Over time, God is producing something amazing, something beautiful, an amazing story that you get to be a part of. But it's bigger than just you. It's bigger than just your experience. It's bigger than just your job and just your relationship. It's far more significant than that. It spans generations. It spans peoples. It spans families. And God is at work. Good things take time. Do not settle for what the world tells you. And what does the world say? The world wants you to believe that everything must happen now. But God reassures us through our faith that everything happens in his timing. The world wants you to believe that everything must happen now. But faith reassures us. That everything happens in God's timing. God is at work. He's at work through you. Even when you don't see it. And even when you don't feel it. God isn't in a rush. And he isn't in a hurry. Good things take time. You're never too old. And it's never too late. God is at work. Father, I thank you in this moment. God, we see pictures in the Bible, stories that sometimes don't even seem all that connected. And one of the reasons it doesn't feel connected is because so much time has passed between the two. 15 years, 20 years, 700 years, and through all of it, you're at work. And because we see it there, God, we can rest assured that you are working here. And Father, I pray for those who are watching right now, God, who feel unsettled, who feel rushed, who feel hurried, who feel like the clock is ticking on their life in some measure or some manner, whether it's with a family, whether it's, whether it's relationships, singleness, parenting, job, money, retirement, God, whatever it might be. God, I thank you that you are not in a rush and you are not in a hurry. Help our eyes to see you for what you are doing. But most importantly, God, help us to have faith to hold on to you even when we don't see you, even when we don't see what you're up to. Let our faith lead the way, Lord. Help us to be holding on to you and all of these things to trust you. Good things take time. With you, good things take time. Work them in our life, Lord. Help us to be patient. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for being here, worshiping online. Hope you are blessed today, and we'll see you right here next week. Okay. Take 45. Take, no, we haven't started. This is a whole fresh slate. We're going to do it in one take. December 11th, clap, clap. Thank you. Get. I was getting my face ready. I love the story of David Ayers. He's a hockey player.
And you know he plays he plays for the uh, in the NHL for the for the uh, gosh Carolina. I can't get it out, man. Alive. All right. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes, right? Um, okay. Uh, 